When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, hello everybody. Welcome back in to another Auburn Live football show, another week. I'm Justin Hugginson. With me as always, Cole Pinkston. Cole, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Not a big fan of the uh, late game at all. <clears throat> Don't like that. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah. That was insane. Whoever thought of that, um, let's not do that anymore. There's just no point. I'm with you, Freeze, on that. Like, there's absolutely – that was a game for Auburn. There was nothing to gain. You're playing a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team that does nothing if you win. It's, it's no, you know, it's across the country. It's late at night. It messes up your whole weekend, your week starting for the next game. There's nothing except not to lose for Auburn. There's nothing to gain except don't lose um, from logistics to the opponent and everything. Um, all right, let's get into talking about that a little bit. Uh, before we do, shout-out to Session Cocktail, sponsor of the show, they are located in downtown Auburn on Magnolia Avenue. Go check them out. Happy hour, 4 to 6. Um, they open uh, on game days, so go check them out on game days as well. Um, great place, great old fashions. They just mixed up their, their menu a little bit, so go check them out. Um, everything's seating, booth seating and, and bar seating and all that. It's not a stand-up bar, so it's a cool little cocktail lounge session. Cocktails in downtown Auburn. All right, Auburn Cal. Auburn wins 14 to 10. In one of the uglier wins I can remember, it's certainly in the conversation of Mississippi State 2008, the Georgia State game, although Auburn had more yards in that game, but, George, but still you're at home against Georgia State and you were down by 10 uh, with with a few minutes left. That was pretty bad. Missouri was atrocious in 2022. That's a game you you, you, you should have lost and offense was, was lacking. So it was – it was up there in terms of ugly, ugly wins that somehow Auburn won. I don't know how. Um, I wrote after the game, Auburn averaged about 16 yards a drive on 13 drives. They they snapped the ball in Cal territory only 20% of the time. They only had the ball 25 minutes. Um, they only ran 55 plays. I mean, there's just the, the offensive numbers. I mean, Cal – Cal had didn't didn't crush it on offense either. They at least ran seventy something plays, uh, but there's just there's no real good reason Auburn should have won that game. Cal missed three field goals, all from about 40, 42 yards or so, but they did. But they found a way to win, which is kind of kind of what we're saying. The only thing you come out of that game is you have a W, which gets you closer to bowl eligibility, gets you closer to that six or seven wins. If you're going to reach that, you had to go four zero non conference. And I think Hugh Freeze said after the game something really, really, um, really smart. And that was the way in which they won the game will allow them to coach them really hard this week. And I thought that was a good point. Um, you can coach them hard after a loss too, but to to have a close win where you're maybe you're excited and you're happy, but you're maybe a little humbled, like you know, I don't, why don't we escape that one? They're happy they won, but they know they could have very well lost. And so it's kind of a best-of-both-worlds scenario in terms of going into the next week about you won, they're happy you won, you can build on that, but you can also say, guys, you very well could have lost this game, and it's like you can go into that humility, and you can coach them really hard um, going into the Stanford game. So that was an interesting comment from Hugh Freeze, and it made a lot of sense to me. Cole, what were your what were your thoughts as we stayed up, stayed up till however late watching that game is it just one where you go, you won and move on? What what in the world do you take from that? Defensively, you can take some things, but what what do you take from that win that, that you can translate over into thinking about the SEC schedule? So to me, the uh, only the only stat that counts is the uh, W that you put in the win column. Okay, you we can we can break down all these stats. the The game was was almost it was almost hard to watch because of the offense and how it how it was. I'm looking at the drive chart. There was only one drive that was over five plays, and it was the scoring drive at the end of the game. 
It was nine plays. That's pathetic. Um, it really is. And I think it's a combination of Peyton Thorne not having a good game mixed with the game plan. I didn't like either one, just to be honest. I thought the game plan was um, – I thought the formations were real condensed. I thought um, it, it didn't help with running the football early on. Uh, I didn't think the offensive line had their best game. It's just a lot of things that came together. I mean, it was. we talked about this. We we said this is one – or I said, I know I remember saying you, you have to find a way to escape this game. And, and I, I remember people in the corner being like, nah, man, I mean, you're, 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 you're overstating what Cal is. I don't oh, think yeah, yeah. Yeah, they I thought we were crazy for being like, I mean, there's, it could be tougher. I'm not trying to say I told you so, but I don't think it's as much about Cal as it is about what the game was, and, and it's sort of a trap game. And, and by the way, Cal's not terrible, okay? They're not terrible. Um, Auburn's going to see much better on their schedule. But for the jump in competition from UMass to what you saw Saturday night, I think was a pretty significant jump um, because they were competent and they could do some things to, to hurt you. So, you know, the the only thing that matters at the end of the day is getting out of there with a W, Okay. That was such a huge deal, in my opinion. And the way that they did it, the way that they stepped up, hey, we have to have a scoring drive right here. Made it happen. They even put Jeremiah Cobb in the game during that drive, which I find interesting. You know, we remember last year there were times when you thought, all right, well, this is a drive Auburn has to score. They're going to throw Tank Bigsby out there. Nope, they went with Hunter because for whatever reason they trusted him in that moment. Well, they trusted Jeremiah Cobb in that moment. I liked that. They went with Ashford a couple times in that moment. Almost went with him again down on the goal line, called a timeout and said, nope, let's throw Thorne out there. Let's let's keep that going. He's had a pretty good drive. He was four for four on that drive. He was sacked twice, and, and he was resilient on that drive. All right. I, I criticized him the rest of the game because he didn't have a good game. He overthrew a couple of balls. He, you know, he held the ball too long at times. I don't know if anybody was open. It's hard to tell watching on TV. It's a lot easier when we're in the press box. I can't really tell on the TV if, you know, somebody's creating separation. Twice I saw an open receiver that should have been hit. But I think at the end of the day, um, you really can just kind of – I think you can throw out the, the way the offense looked up until that drive and say they figured some things out on that drive. Actually, they got backed into a corner. This is what I wrote. They, they were so – they were coming out of a corner and going – all right, well, all we have left is guys like Rivaldo Fairweather. Let's just try it. You should have done that from the beginning, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, that, that's where that's where it ended up. And I'm glad that they got back to that corner so they could figure that out. And now they've got some more things to look at next week. Yeah, you could you could it felt like they were searching all game. I mean, you could kind of you could kind of see different rhythms in terms of play calling that sort of signify we're searching, we're searching. There was a time where they started to try to um, just go sideline to sideline a little bit, through some quick screens this way, then go back the other way. So you could tell they were just sort of searching in that game. Um, but, yeah, it was it was brutal to watch. I, I will say, you know, I think, um, I think we all overestimated the offense a little bit. I mean, it's not that we took anything great from UMass, but I, I certainly thought, I certainly thought that they were holding a little bit back playbook wise. And so and and I and I, I I thought the the offensive line and the running game was better than it was. And so I thought they could go into Cal and score 30 35 points. I think a couple of things. I think one we didn't give enough credit and even now I think people need to go back and give some credit to Justin Wilcox and Cal's defense. That's a group that really over the last I mean, 6 years they have a top three defense in the Pac-12 every season. Um, now, it's the Pac-12, I get it. Top three in the Pac-12, maybe that puts you sixth or seventh in the SEC or something like that. Um, but it's still a competent defense, and, and Hugh Freeze said, Justin Wilcox is a guy that I respect a lot. He, he calls his problems. He's a good coach. He's a good defensive coach. Having said that, we, we know Auburn's going to play better teams, better schedule, better talent. Um, and, and all that good stuff. So it's not we're not saying Cal's a juggernaut. What we are saying is give Cal and Justin Wilcox a little credit 
um, for being a um, a fairly good defensive group in terms of, especially if you're going against an Auburn offense that's not that doesn't have its identity yet. Um, I think those two things combined cause some problems. Um, yeah, it was worrisome the the just the entire execution on offense, the play calling, everything. It was very much searching for who we are. And to me, that started with the lack of running game. I mean, there was some bursts by Jarquez Hunter in the second half, um, a couple of bursts by Demari Alston in the second half, obviously Cobb. But for the most part, there was it was not much happening. It was three yards. It's about all you were going to get running the football. And I think I, I sort of wonder if that surprised them a little bit. Auburn, the coaches thought, okay, we're not quite pushing them off the line like we thought we might be able to. And, um, and then the passing game's not there yet. We know the passing game's not there yet. It's just uh, you have Jay Fair, you have some guys, but I think what they want to be and what they want to do throwing the football is all predicated on the run. They have to run and then play action and then run the RPO stuff. So I think their lack of ability to run the ball, especially early, I think threw them for a loop a little bit. Like, okay, uh, now now what do we do? And it just it just didn't work. So that's that's sort of what stood out to me in terms of the offense. I was probably most disappointed in the offensive line. That group on the offense has got to be the best units. The group that we heard the most about spring, most about the fall, it's one of that group and the running backs and maybe DBs. That's one of the groups that Hugh Freeze would say, well, I feel good about them. I don't know about everybody, but they're doing good things. I feel pretty good about where they're at. Um, And so I thought the offensive line just didn't get the kind of push they need to be getting if you're going to run the ball in the SEC. That offensive performance, I mean, I was just thinking about it, uh, that offensive performance, and I don't think Auburn's going to repeat that every game. So I think they're going to figure things out. They'll get better. I don't. I don't think that's where Auburn's offense is going to be. I mean, I think back to. Um, I think back to now. I don't think this is a completely fair comparison in terms of talent, but just everything being relative. Think back to 2017, Auburn Clemson on the road. Jarrett Stidham, first year quarterback, new quarterback. Chip Lindsey, new offensive coordinator. Um, you play Georgia Southern in the opener. It was Auburn wins, but it was ugly at times. You go to Clemson, and that and Jarrett Stidham got sacked like nine times. The offense, I don't think, hit double digits. I think they scored seven. I don't think they even reached ten. I mean, there was no hope that that offense was going to score in that game. Fortunately, the defense held them. They lost like seventeen to nine. I don't know what it was, um, but but Stidham was sacked a ton of times. And you're like, this offense is a mess, a mess. That offensive line, you're thinking, is a disaster. Well, that's 2017. I mean, by the end of the year, they're beating number one Georgia and number one Alabama. So, again, different talent, but it's all relative. And what I'm saying is things can change, things can evolve. You can figure things out of what you did wrong. Okay, that's not who we are. Chip Lindsey then, that year, they were trying to go – they were trying to take too many shots. They would run the ball and then try to take vertical shots. And it was getting Jarrett Stidham sacked and stuff, and they 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 honed more in on what they can do and what they can't do, and they fixed it. That's that's now the challenge with Hugh Freeze and, and Philip Montgomery is they they can take this and go, okay, here's some things we can do, and here's some things we cannot do, and we got to work to it. I think that the last drive, what will be interesting to me is that last drive. I think you're right; they had no choice but to go up tempo and and and, and just try to kickstart some things, and it worked. Peyton Thorne was four or five on that drive, including his last four passes. Through a, the third and 17 ball to Fairweather was a little underthrown, but it was the right idea. It was a good thought and a pretty well-executed throw just a tad low. It was kind of back shoulder so he could turn and make the throw. It was a good throw, just a little low. And then the fade route was a really good ball. Um, but, I, you know, maybe that's what they need to do with, with, with Peyton. Maybe, maybe do that earlier and get him in, in more of a rhythm. But, again, I go back to the running game when you can't run the ball it's hard to get into tempo. They didn't have a choice but to start airing it out late. Early in the game, they're trying to run and, and mix it up and go tempo, and the run wasn't going anywhere. And I think that messed with their ability to try to go up tempo. But you saw Thorne. I think that's when he's at his best. And go back and listen to when we talked to Peyton Thorne in the fall. Um, I can't remember what the question was, but it was, but he got into an answer talking about, he said, I think I'm, I'm at my best in two-minute drills. I think I may have asked him, hey, what? What do you bring to the offense? What do you do well that you think will work in this offense? And he specifically said, um, I think I do well in two-minute situations. I think I do well, like, in those kind of stressed situations. And you saw it 
against Cal. So maybe there's a way that they can recreate that earlier in the game or throughout the game and figure out ways to let him air it out a little bit and feel a little bit of the, um, you know, the stress of that situation. I don't know. I don't know. But it, it, it worked against Cal late. I just don't know how you kind of recreate that in other, other parts of the game. Yeah, I think I think the most frustrating thing for Auburn fans watching that game was it felt like a Gus Malzahn offense, and it felt like a Gus Malzahn um, deficiency like, like he used to have at times with his offenses because, and I'll tell you why, it's because they got in this 12 personnel set with two tight ends, and, and Justin Wilcox, like you said, is is no dummy, right? He, he's going to load up the box because there was no threat to throw the football. Auburn was not trying to do that. They were they were not showing any kind of threat to throw the football. They wanted to run the ball. They wanted to milk the clock. And and I know that was probably the game plan. You know why? Because the game started at 9.30 Central time. <laughs> get out of there. Let's get out of here with a win. I don't want to be here any longer than I have to be. Throwing the football will make this game longer. Let's Let's keep it on the ground. You know, our offensive line was a strength last week, and they can be again. Well, guess what? When the defense has a clue and loads the box, it ain't going to happen like that. Okay? So that was the problem early in the game, and there was not an adjustment made, at least to the eye, uh, in the first half. It, it wasn't, hey, they're loading up the box. There's no reason to get 12 personnel and try to pound it. It didn't look like that at first. I think there were some really good adjustments made in the second half that nobody's going to talk about because it looks so sloppy. But, you know, Peyton Thorne actually threw 64%. Did, did you realize he was 64% completion? I, I didn't know that. I thought it was worse. I really did. Yeah, he was hit, he was hot and cold. He literally had a stretch of five completions and a stretch of four, and those were his nine. It was like – it wasn't – you know, it was like – he, he went over two, then he hit five in a row, then he missed three in a row, then he hit four in a row, and that was it. But, yeah, well, he didn't throw much. I think I have an explanation for that. I, I think, and, and I, I did a whole thing on the on the last drive of the game, well, not the last, but the last scoring drive where Rapalda Fairweather caught the fade. Like you said, you, you, they went to the matchup, all right? You had a single matchup for a lot of the game with a, maybe one safety in the middle field because they were loading up the box. That means you're going to have a single coverage with one of your big body receivers that you went out and recruited for this reason. That's why I wrote in the five key plays. Don't forget what you recruited. You've got some guys to to use in these situations. When your running game is not working and they've loaded up the box and there's nothing your offensive line can do to open up lanes, you got single-man coverage with Rivaldo Fairweather. Take advantage of it. Jair Shorter. You know, Shane Hooks, they tried to do that. They tried to run a little concept route with Shane Hooks, and Peyton Thorne overthrew it, interception. But even though that kind of stuff's going to happen at times, you can't be afraid to do it, I don't think, because it's a lot more dangerous to play it safe, if that makes sense, in those situations. So they started taking these single-man matchup routes with Rivaldo Fairweather, and guess what? The game got easier. For everybody, it got easier for Peyton Thorne. It got easier for the play callers. Everything became easier. The operation was more clean, and and, and, and the rest is history. Auburn wins the game, and that's how that's how it works. So I think playing it safe on offense was okay. Even though not playing it safe would be a risk, playing it safe was a bigger risk in this kind of game, if that makes sense. Because let me just tell you, on the defensive side of the ball. There was no playing it safe, okay? Ron Roberts is getting after him. He sends a blitz. He'll send the house. Third and long, he's sending it, okay? He's going to send a guy like Eugene Asante. I love the fearless play calling that's going on on the defensive side because we know what the defense is at this point. There's there's no real major standouts. I thought Jalen McLeod really brought the defense up a level. Um, I thought Kay and Lee finally stepped up. You know, I say finally. He stepped up. It was the second game ever, and he's playing almost every snap at corner. Um, a lot of good things happen on defense, but I, I really give a lot of credit to the play calling because they attacked all night, and that's when they got their back against the wall. To me, 
it felt like the attacking nature of that defense and not the sit back and let's play in zone and see if we can get a stop here. I, I, I thought the attacking nature is what made the difference on defense all night when their back was against the wall. And it was against the wall all night. Yeah. It was a weird game. I'm sitting here looking through, just sort of taking another look through the drives. Auburn had eight drives in the first half, only five in the second half. Um, part of that was that third quarter was um, was dominated really by Cal. Cal came out of the gates um, with a nearly seven-minute drive that um, that yielded them no points. Um, <laughs> Auburn turned around and ran five plays themselves, and it says there was a turnover on downs. I don't remember exactly the way that possession ended, but it says they ran five plays and got stopped at the Cal 41, and then Cal took over um, and – went uh, 34 yards in four minutes and uh, and missed the field goal. So that third quarter was kind of a joke, but the third quarter was literally like three possessions, two by Cal and one by Auburn. And that's that's the um, – and Auburn, yeah, see, Auburn got the ball back with a minute 50 in the third quarter and went five plays, five yards, and punted basically at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So two drives for Auburn in that quarter, ten total plays, none of which were passes, by the way. That was the one I tweeted out that got a lot of traction, and I didn't even realize it until I looked it up and went to say it, which was um, Peyton Thorne attempted no passes in the third, entire third quarter. Auburn didn't attempt to pass in the third quarter in 10 plays. Um, it, was, it, was, it was interesting um, how that sort of worked out. And then, of course, so it was kind of makes what Thorne did late more impressive. I mean, he went, if you look at what he did, let's see. He, before the last drive, the last pass he threw was a minute 25 in the second quarter. And it was the, it was the, uh, intercepted. It was an interception. I'm trying to remember what was that? What was the, what was his one pick? I don't, I'm, I don't remember it now. Um, Thorn. you talking about Thorns? Yeah. What was that? What was that play? Yeah. That it was, was it was the overthrow to, uh, Shane Hooks. That's right. And he, and yep. he, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was his last pass before the last drive of the, the game winning drive. His last pass was an overthrow to Shane Hooks with a minute 25 in the second quarter. The next pass he threw was um, was in the fourth quarter, um, where he then went four for five on that drive. And matter of fact, the next pass he threw was a third and 15 to to Jay Fair, and then this, the next one was the Rivaldo Fairweather third and 17. So it it didn't help things, sort of how disjointed that third quarter was in terms of of, of throwing the football. But that's pretty impressive, sort of thinking back through that that Peyton Thorne threw the ball, threw that pick, and then in real time, you're talking about game time, halftime, all of third quarter, it you know, break between third and fourth quarter, into the fourth quarter, that's a long time, and he comes in and goes four for five on that game-winning drive um, after not throwing a ball in a while. Well, he he's probably used to being taken out of the game and replaced when he's uh, maybe in rhythm because – I'll be honest, I don't like it. I said it in the first show we did. I don't like the two-quarterback system. Um, I thought the package for Robbie Ashford wasn't great this week. A little predictable. Uh, so, you know, I, I doubt that was anything super new for Peyton Thorne, at least in the in recent weeks. Um, but it is impressive. I'm, I, I mean, I'm just surprised that his pass per- completion percentage was 64%. I, I don't remember it being that. I just remember a lot of missed throws, but well, not a, not a fourteen. I mean, I think what's throwing it off a little bit is of those nine, you have one, two, you have three of the nine are to running backs. So yeah, yeah, you know, but, if you look at just passes to receivers, all of his incompletions are Jay Fair, Amari Kelly, Shane hooks the pick, Jair Shorter, Javar Javars Johnson. So if you're talking about like downfield throwing. You could say he was six of twelve, uh, or six of eleven, because if you took away just kind of the dumps, so a dump off to running back, Jarquez Hunter, Demari Austin, and then um, Demari Austin later on. And so I think his downfield throwing was a little bit different than adding in some of those to the right. to the running backs. But I mean, you bring up the Robbie thing. You know, I think it's something we talked about. Like, okay, we, we see the value in Robbie Ashford in the red zone. Hugh Freeze talked about him being vital to Auburn winning. 
And I think we would all agree Robbie's a fantastic athlete, and he does have value. Yes. Sure. Um, but we also talked about – it kind of goes back to what we said against UMass. It's UMass. So we can't – like we had to say, yes, there's value, and that was pretty good, but it's UMass. And so what you saw against Cal was Robbie was a complete non-factor. Um, he tried to run the ball um, four times. He gained eight yards. He threw the ball three times. He completed one for zero yards. I mean, he was just a non-factor. His only factor in that game, and I'm not saying it's Robbie's fault because he doesn't say when he's going in and when he doesn't, but his only factor in that game was to me to 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 create disjoint on the offense. Like, that's all that really came out of that to me, especially when you look at what Peyton Thorne did late and when he got in a little bit of a rhythm and had to sort of step up to the plate and you had to have some throws, and, you know, he made some throws. And so – it makes you wonder moving forward, how do you use Robbie? I mean, I think there's still value in the red zone. You're not just going to be able to line up and run quarterback sweeps. That That's, it, you know, there will be times you can do that. If you if it's third and two, maybe, but that was even tough against Cal. But I think, I think anything before the red zone, I think you're going to have to look hard at, do we put Robbie in unless it's literally he needs to be red zone Robbie? not the 40, not any other point. I think Peyton Thorne needs to be the guy in the middle of the field, backed up in your territory, uh, any point other than when you get closer to the goal line. I just, I mean, you bring Robbie in, you're probably going to run it. The other team probably knows you're going to run it. Maybe you can run some trickery, but if Peyton's your guy and you think the offense runs best with him at the helm and he understands the the complexity of the offense as a whole better than anybody else, can run more. You can run more plays with Peyton Thorne. Um, he's got to. I think he's got to be the guy. I don't. I'm not trying to make an overreaction based on just Cal, but it nothing worked with Robbie in that Cal game, and it just seems like there was, um, you know, it just. I don't like the. And I don't know that Hugh Freeze loves the two quarterbacks. Even after UMass, he said, "Look, I don't know if it's right or wrong." But we won, and if we win against Cal, we'll kind of keep doing it. And so I'm curious to, to hear his comments during the Monday press conference. They won, but it wasn't pretty. And so I think you're going to hear him say probably, you know, yeah, we're going to continue to look at that and see if it's the what's best for the offense. And he'll probably put some of the blame on everybody. Hey, it was a, it was a there was a lot of things that went wrong on offense. It wasn't just um, a quarterback rotation or things like that. But um, – that's an easy one to, to, to point to when you and, – and the point I made when writing about it, too, was take into, take into account that you only got 55 snaps. Forget just the fact that rotating quarterbacks could, could create um, a lack of rhythm. Now combine that with you only got 55 plays in that game. Now rotate quarterbacks. Think about the lack of rhythm that causes when you only get 55 plays. You're not running 70 or 71 or 72 plays. That's a that's a big deal, and that's what all, that's what happened. I mean, gosh, at one point in the third quarter, Auburn had like 30 plays. I mean, it was insane. Um, but if you're only going to get maybe 55 plays with these new clock rules that clearly are decreasing the amount of plays being run, the only reason Cal got 70 plays is because Auburn's offense was so inept. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cal had no choice but to like, well, if you're going to keep giving it back to us, we'll run plays. They didn't do much with it, but they ran plays. Um, and uh, that's a game, by the way, without the clock rules. If Auburn's offense plays like that with old clock rules and Cal ticks up to maybe 80 plays, that defense could have worn down. They, I thought they were there for, for a minute late. I thought the defense was wearing down, but they got their feet back under them. But anyway, going back to the Ashford-Thorn thing, I think when you're going to run 55 plays or 65 plays in a game, you really got to think about their, their precious plays and creating rhythm is going to be a lot harder to, to me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I thought one of the better coaching calls of the game was when they ran Robbie out there for a red zone package. It was it was on this scoring drive with Revolta Fairweather. Called a timeout. Now, you wasted a timeout, but at least you had the restraint to go, all right, look, Thorne has hit three on this drive. There, there's really It really would not make sense to take him out of this rhythm right now. It wouldn't make sense. Now, the timeout could have done that, but at least there was some – there was a decision made somewhere on that sideline or in the booth that said, no, 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 let's stay with what we got. Keep keep it rolling. I'm good with that, okay? you got to live and learn in this because you got a quarterback who probably runs a 4-3. I get it. There's probably nothing – he probably sits there all day and goes, how in the world could I get him in some space? I mean, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. He's 220 pounds. Uh, he could really be a star playmaker. But, you know, it, it just may not be at quarterback all the time. It just may not be the case. Because you, when you put him in there, guess what? You are predictable. You're going to be predictable every time. Every time. I don't care. You know, it's on film now. There's not so much else you can do with that unless you're in the red zone. You're just going to try to overpower somebody, which might be it might have to be the way that it is. Um, but you know, again, I'll go back to the the game plan and the play calling. I felt like the defense won the game because of the play calling. I felt like it was attacking. I felt like it was you know blitz heavy. It was they were coming at them instead of sitting back and waiting for it. And it felt like on the offensive side they were just sitting back and trying to trying to get through the game. It felt like the game plan was we're gonna we're gonna be able to run on them. We'll get that down. You know we'll. we'll. But the problem with that game plan is in these shortened games now, if you have a couple of bad drives, all of a sudden you're in the second half and and you're uh, in bad shape. And that's exactly what happened when they decided, hey, this game plan's not going to happen today. It was too late, almost too late. You can't you can't play with fire like that, in my opinion. You have to come out attacking, especially with these new clock rules. Right, yeah, I think that, that's a good point. Um, Auburn was the first team to win a game with four-plus turnovers, 12 or fewer first downs, and <laughs> 230 or fewer yards of offense since Troy beat Mississippi State in 2001. Jeez. Well, twenty-one to nine. Um, let me in, let me, in let me add this, Justin. I want to add this too because I don't want to harp on the play calling too much. I don't care how good your play calling is when you turn the ball over four times, it's going to be difficult to score. Yeah, that's that's not on the coaches, by the way. Fair point. Fair point, and probably a point that's lost in the offense is is the is the turnovers. That's probably a now that's still a negative, but as it pertains to play calling. That impact, you know, you're taking, you're, you're ending drives prematurely, and so you're not getting the amount of plays or the rhythm or the opportunities. And so it's a fair point. Four turnovers ended obviously four different drives um, prematurely. And actually, let's go back. I wonder if I can look at, um, let's see, Jarquez fumbled. I'm trying to look to see. Jarquez fumbled. With 5:24 in the fourth quarter, um, but but I was trying to look and see at the Auburn 41, so about midfield. Demari's fumble was terrible timing because he had just roped off a pair of 13-yard runs. Yeah. His fumble was at midfield. Um, Peyton Thorne's fumble, obviously first first drive, which is just crazy how that game started um, right off the bat to give them points. His pick was Peyton Thorne's interception was uh, in Auburn territory, but two of the four fumbles were at midfield. 
so when you're talking about limiting points, limiting drives, limiting plays, I mean, and 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 Demaris was a 13 yard run, 13 yard or 13 yard gain, 13 yard gain, and um, and so you had something going there. So a couple of those turnovers were just horrific, um, horrific timing, and probably worth worth re- worth remembering that they were negatives, but that could that impacts play calling as well. Um, you talk about defense. And as bad as the offense was, the defense was equally as good. Now, perspective on that, Cal's offense, we talked about Cal's defense being traditionally good under Wilcox. Their offense is traditionally bad under Justin Wilcox. They're one of the worst, they're one of the, uh, they're one of the worst offenses in the league under Justin Wilcox for the last five, six years. Um, yes, they put up a ton of yards against North Texas, but, you know, they're lacking playmakers. Running back's pretty good, but, that's about it. Auburn did their job. What I th- what I liked about Auburn's defense was they didn't create. So if you look at what they did, four tackles for loss. That's okay. That's not a ton. It's, it's decent. A couple sacks, a couple of pass breakups. Um, you had two interceptions, but really one was the Hail Mary. Both of them were kind of Hail Mary sort of attempts. Um, so they weren't necessarily traditional interceptions like somebody breaking and making a play on the ball. But, I mean, for the most part, I thought the defensive effort, was was the defensive line manning up, guys making tackles in the box, and just playing pretty sound football. I mean, there was some blitzing. There was some, you know, you got a couple of sacks. Um, but I thought it was a lot of really good play in the box. And, and, you know, again, Cal is nothing special. And so that defensive line still has to show me that they can, they can hold up against SEC teams when it comes to running the football. But that was a good start of something to build on. They probably should – they surprised, I think, everybody. I think everybody thought Cal would, would have some success running the ball, and they did not. Twelve of, of, of Jaden Knott's 20 carries went for three yards or less. Um, and really his only success, Ott's only couple of good runs, was when Cal made the change at quarterback. After the turnover, they bring Sam Jackson in, their touchdown drive, their only touchdown drive. And I think Auburn was caught off guard a little bit. Jackson came in with a little bit of juice. They had a couple of good plays, and then they went hurry up and they popped it and, and op, popped them for a couple of a couple of runs up the middle. Um, it was just it was kind of the one bad drive for Auburn on defense. And then after that, they settled back in, and Jade Knopp wasn't a factor. And Auburn's defense tackled well. Obviously, Eugene Asante was phenomenal. He looks like what an SEC linebacker should look like. And I I don't mean this as a knock, but somebody said I can't remember who said it. If it was on Twitter or on our board. And it was kind of a good point. They go, they they said Eugene Asante is what we thought Owen Papo was going to be, and I was like, that's eh, kind of fair. I mean, Owen Papo was really good, but but there's a there's a there's a juice level to to, to Eugene Asante. Like there is a, a a an energy level to him that's fantastic. But Larry Nixon, I thought played well. Marcus Harris played really really well in the middle. Um, so I think I think the defense played really good sound football. We'll see how it translates moving forward. But that's. Other than the first drive against UMass, that's two really good games for Auburn's defense without healthy Jalen McLeod, without Nehemiah Pritchett at all, without J.D. Rim at all, without Austin Keys in a game, and, and without him moving forward. So there's a couple of pieces they can get back. But but they're, we thought the defense was going to be the worst part of this team. Through two games, they've been, they've been the better unit, I think. They have. And, and I'll tell you what the biggest adjustment was this week was personnel. Whoever decided on personnel this week was was right. They made the right call because Nixon and Asante played a ton of snaps at linebacker. You saw Steiner in there. You saw Riley in there. Well, Riley started last week. He didn't start this week, okay? It was Asante and Nixon, and, and I got to tell you, they're the best two linebackers. Um, Nixon is, is not as fast as Asante. But he understands how to play linebacker in the box, which if you follow what I talk about, I, I am a stickler about that. I can't stand when a linebacker doesn't read his keys and doesn't play physically in the box. Well, Larry Nixon does it, and I've been pretty happy with that. Eugene Asante is a great blitzer. Donovan Kaufman is a great blitzer. They use those guys appropriately, in my opinion. And, and you talk about Owen Papo and, and people saying, that, you know, Eugene Asante is like, what they thought. Well, was Owen Papo always used appropriately? I don't think so. And maybe they didn't have a choice, but still, if he's used in this role that Eugene Asante is being used in right now, 
it might be different. It might look a lot different. Yeah. Um, and you know what? People are making fun of me on the, on the corner. I don't care. I will stick with it because I trust my eyes. Mosiah Nasili Kite is playing well, or Kite, excuse me. He's playing well because he's winning against his blocks. That's why they had trouble running at times. Um, Keldrick Falk is playing well. Justin Rogers is playing well up front. And Marcus Harris is, is the standout to me on the defensive line right now. He had a good game. Um, but Jalen McLeod, having him in that game just changed the dynamic of the defense as a whole, in my opinion. I think the secondary played better. I think the pass rush was better, and that helps the secondary. You got to think, uh, at corner, it's it's uh, DJ James and Caden Lee, and there really ain't much rotation going on there. It's those two guys all the way through. Caden Lee is a true freshman. This was his second game. He made two major plays when he got tested. Because guess what? Very first play of the game, they went right at him. And they should have. And he won that battle. So I, I, I'm, I'm very pleased with that. I think that that actually helps with a lot of the concerns that I had from week one going into week two. I feel much better about the defense. I think the personnel, um, again, whoever the coach is, and it's probably Ron Roberts, but the defensive staff came together and said, all right, these are our winners. Uh, you know, number nine, number 30, number 33, these guys can win for us. And then maybe these guys need to be behind them. They made the right call this week, I thought. Yeah, looking at, um, <clears throat> looking at game on paper, which, which is, is just a deep dive into, into analytics. Um, when you look at stats for games, it's a lot of it is, is, you know, some of it I take, some, some of it's just kind of nonsense. That's where I got the Havoc plays um, from last oh, week. Yeah. It credited Auburn with only four Havoc plays this week, um, which is only 5% of the total plays away from the 20%, but they still were really, really good. Um, yeah, you mentioned Kane Lee with those couple of pass breakups. was really impressive. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Auburn's defense, just time and time again, when you look at – let's see. When you look at Cal – their average start was basically the 40. Um, I mean, you know, they're one first down away from the mid starting starting in, in, in the middle of the field every time they got the football. Um, but, you know, the thing that gets lost is Cal missed three field goals, yes. Mm-hmm. But credit Auburn for making some stops right there because those all those field goals were – it was a 42-yarder, a 40 – and, two, and a, pair, <clears throat> a pair of 44-yarders. And so – uh, it's not like they got down there and were complete chippies. Auburn at least um, bowed up and stopped them. Um, let's see, they stopped one of the drives at the 25-27. So they didn't let them get inside the red zone in those three those three occasions. Um, so it wasn't, yes, there are field goals that you would like to make if you're a college kicker, but um, give Auburn some credit for, for making the stop outside of the red zone and forcing that to be a pretty tough field goal. By the way, I didn't realize that kicker in the first game was one of three. He missed I a real easy I was re-watching, and I was like, oh, God, so he is uh, he is off to a pretty now, tough part. If he was in the NFL, of, he would be cut immediately. One of those kicks was a long one that he missed in the first game, but he did miss a very easy one. I do remember that now. Um, But really, look, I mean, that third quarter, man, Cal had – this is crazy. Cal had in a stretch of three straight drives, which really started the the first drive of the second half going into really leading into what, what would be Auburn's touchdown drive. Cal had three straight drives to start the second half. They were 13 plays for 45 yards, 10 plays for 34 yards, 10 plays for 40 yards, zero points. So Auburn's defense faced 33 plays in three straight drives, gave up 100 and whatever that is, 100, uh, we got 40, 40, 80, 120 yards or something like that, um, and no points. That was the that was the key to the game. Auburn not giving up points right in that stretch, where Auburn's offense wasn't doing much, and Cal and they and Cal was racking up some plays and getting a couple of first downs. But for Auburn to go 30-something plays, three straight drives, 
and, and give up zero points. And then after that third drive from Cal, um, Auburn then turned around and went 10 plays, 69 yards for a touchdown. So it was that defense standing tall, those three drives coming out of the gate of the second half. And in the same time, Auburn ran 10 plays for 28 yards in that same time that, that Cal ran 33 plays. Um, if Auburn doesn't hold right there, if they hit a field goal, two field goals, they lose this game. If they don't hold in that three, those three drives, the defense doesn't hold tight. Um, Auburn likely loses that football game. Yep, 100%. I mean, that, like I said, defense won the game, no doubt. Um, but again, when the offense got back into a corner, I, you know, I've had this question a couple times on the corner, and I don't, I don't know how to answer it because I just don't know. I don't, I don't know how to figure it out. But several people have asked, did Hugh Freeze take over play calling at the end? I don't know. I saw him with the play sheet, but he's always got a play sheet. I, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but I do know this. He loves look. So what's funny about that question is, why isn't that? Could you reverse that question? Why couldn't you say? Did Philip Montgomery take over play call? I mean, Philip Montgomery's the yeah. play caller, but they're both going back and forth. So you, you, you to me, you just as easily could say, did Philip Montgomery? I, I see Philip Montgomery more as the passing downfield guy. You could easily say, did Montgomery have some ideas? I have no idea. That's probably an unfair question to ask. But if I'm if I'm assuming, and and you shouldn't assume, I understand. But let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know what Hugh Freeze is about, okay? I've studied him. That was the first thing I did when he got the job at Auburn. You think it's just a coincidence that he went out and got these six foot four receivers and these big guys like that? It's not a coincidence. That's what he's done. He did it at Ole Miss. He did it, you know, he tried to do it at Liberty. Couldn't quite get the guys he wanted there. Uh, it, it, it's something that he has done and loves, and he loves to throw the one on one matchup. He, Laquan Treadwell, made it to the NFL off of that play. Okay? So there's a very good chance he got on the headset and said, hey, Rivaldo Fairweather is out here with a corner. We're going to throw it to him on this drive. It's going to happen on this drive. (laughs) Make it happen, and then you're going to score. And that's what happened. So I don't know if he was calling plays, but I bet he had some input. That's just a bet if I were going to put some money on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, no doubt. There's there's there, there's input going on constantly. And, and he always um, has input. I'm just saying. He probably said, all right. He probably put his foot down and said, we're going to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember that pass to Jay Fair. I'm looking at that touchdown drive. The 12-yard pass to Jay Fair following the sack. Um Pretty big play there. You first and ten, you have a big play to Fairweather on the first down, and you immediately get sacked. Um, I think that might have been the play that Xavier Miller just waved by to somebody. Um, yeah, yeah, he and then and he, he did the old uh, the old uh, wrestling. The, uh, what is it called? Gary Danielson used to call it the wrestling coach, where he starts pounding the ground. Oh yeah, 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 I saw that. Yeah, um, it, he hey, he fixed it on the next play. Same well, guy. I mean, you come back and you had a twelve yard completion to fair and an eleven yard um pass to Austin. Pretty pretty big come out your second fourteen and then you go twelve, eleven, um and then eleven to let's see. Incomplete to hooks, pass interference, yeah, yeah. Um it, so was, it was fair weather. They they got on the, that wrong. on the PI they put they put it wrong in here. Yeah. yeah. Um and then the pass to Fairweather, which was a good ball. Um it was uh what a perfect spiral, but it was a pretty good catch. If you slow it down, it was a pretty good catch because it wasn't a perfect spiral, but it was a well-placed ball and fair weather is just that height. Um, great catch and, and coming down with it. Was, yep. Those are tough to execute, and, and Auburn hasn't always had a guy that you could – Seth Williams was the last guy that you could do that with. Um, well, that was, that was my point. You, you remember what you recruited. You got some guys to be able to do that yeah. and handle that moment. And you try it once, and the percentage isn't super high, but it gets higher when you have guys like Rivaldo Fairweather, as you saw right there. And and looked like the overthrow to Hooks. That's one that that can't happen. That's that's one where Hooks sat down and was open. That's a pretty long throw, 
but he, he was in the space. It looked like Shane Hooks was in the space he needed to be in and Peyton Thorne airmails a 6'5 receiver. Like, that can't happen. Um, but I think that's, that's, to me, some of the stuff that's missing is Shane Hooks, Jair Shorter. Why aren't those guys with their size, why aren't they staying more as much in the middle as they can be? Because what you've seen from Peyton Thorne is he does not have – if you're trying to ask Peyton Thorne to make 30-yard throws across the hash the other way, that's not his strong suit. Um, that's, you know, that's elite, that's, that's elite quarterbacks make those kind of throws, but, um, I sure would like to see shorter and hooks stay more around the middle of the field. Um, and, uh, so that you can, they're just, they're, those big bodies can be, you don't have to be perfect, but they're just going to be big targets in the middle of the field. I'd like to see them used a little bit, a little I, bit. Um, I would not be shocked to see that happen more as we go shorter. On. I don't think shorter. It says he had a target in this game, but that's it. Him and then Hooks, those guys really were kind of non-factors. Fair made a good yeah. catch and run for a touchdown. But uh, by the way, the that was that was a mesh route with the wheel route from the running back, and Jarquez Hunter was wide open. Yeah, but yeah, Fair was open. Hunter was wide open. Um, Hunter, but you know, Hunter did the right thing, turned around and, and helped block, and it, it worked right, out. Right. It was a really good catch and run too. I mean, that, it would have been easy for Fair to catch that and just turn around and try to go right up field. Pretty good no, vision he, to look and, and say, "I think I can." Let me take this. He saw Jarquez out there. Let me take this and get around the corner and make it happen. It's a good run. He, he's got some after the catch ability, no doubt. That that's he, he needs. I think Javaris Johnson does too, and he needs to be used a little bit more personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, shout out to GameTime.co. GameTime.co, should have talked about them earlier, but we didn't. Go check them out, GameTime.co, for tickets to games and concerts and comedy shows and all that crazy good stuff. Um, War Eagle, use the code War Eagle, you get 20% off um, your first purchase with them, GameTime.co. And um, if you find somewhere that has better tickets, they give you like 110% sort of gap differential that if uh, if you find somebody else with better pricing, they'll, they'll give you back some of that money. So go check out GameTime.co. Um, and, of course, our great sponsor, Session Cocktail, at downtown Auburn next to Taco Mama on Magnolia Avenue. Go check them out. All right, Cole, we'll talk to Hugh Freeze. We'll see what he's got to say as Auburn moves on to Sanford, which is uh, a good team. Obviously, Auburn should, should go out there and, and win the game, but Sanford um, is, is not, not a bad team. It'll be a tough week. They got home at 8 in the morning. Sunday. Hopefully they got some 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 sleep on the flight. Um, I'm curious to know kind of how hard they pushed them on Sunday. But uh, either way, it's going to take a few days for coaches and players and everybody to sort of adjust. I mean, they're back at it Monday. And so it'll be a, another interesting week to manage the players and make sure that they're good to go on, on Saturday. It's a late night. It's a night kick Saturday. So at least you kind of get um, a good bit of extra time, but it'd be interesting to hear if they're going to do anything different to try to catch them up. But man, what a what a wild trip! You're back at eight in the morning. I mean, by the time you land and get back to campus, the sun's up, and you're like, man, if you didn't sleep on the plane, you haven't slept. Yeah. Um, so yeah. a lot of a lot of challenges in that road, which is why you should just never do that road trip again. Right. Sense. Um, but yeah, got Sanford. Try to get through one more and try to get to three and zero, and then uh, SEC play starts. Um, all right, let's get out of here. For Cole, I am Justin. We'll see you guys next time. Make sure to go to AuburnLive.com. Check out all the football content. We'll have freeze stuff, takeaways, recruiting content, um, recruiting show. Check out the corner message board. Just a great place to be. Make sure you're on there getting information. We'll see you guys next time. See you.